0: Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports & Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura. Welcome to this week's episode. Morgan, let's kick it off. Um, not too much to talk about. I think this will be the last week of not too much to talk about for baseball because opening day is Thursday. Usually, I feel like most seasons, they start like an opening night with one game, like a Wednesday. And then the next day will be opening day where there's more games, but everyone seems to be starting on Thursday. The dumbest thing about baseball season is that they have all 30 teams playing Thursday. So 15 games on Thursday. And then you have some teams with an off day Friday. So there's only six games Friday. I don't know why they do this. It annoys the heck out of me. The Rangers are one of the teams that have the off day on Friday. So they'll play Thursday then Saturday, Sunday. It just kills the momentum. I don't know if as a player it kills the momentum, it kills the momentum as a fan, especially if you're one of the teams that don't play the second day. Well, and
1: so much of baseball, like, I think you you can totally get away with it. In fact, most players prefer it in hockey, Mm -hmm. but with the pace of baseball and the fact that everything is like a series, just having one random game and then a break, it's weird.
0: Yeah. Like, and to go from 15 to six games the next day, it's like, well feels like we're back with spring training. Yeah. Um still not sure how we're going to cover baseball season. Um I I was thinking of doing something like Laura does for hockey. But it kind of depends just because I don't really follow a lot of the teams that closely and start of the season and it's such a long season. So. So we'll play it by ear. <laughs> we could even do like a top list of like five stories from the week. Or yeah. We're, yeah. We might have to do that, especially beginning of the season because April is such a like boring kind of month because really anyone could be first place. Anyone could be last place and it's not going to matter in May.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of shifting going on.
0: Yeah. The beginning.
1: And it is like, I think hockey and baseball or basketball is kind of the same way it shakes out kind of early yeah baseball it takes a, a hot second for it to shake out yeah
0: and like compared to football like there's what 16 games and so like the first mm-hmm. every game literally matters where it's like you've got 60 games to figure it out with baseball until it actually <laughs> truly matters yeah uh, but that's all I got for this week so let's just move it on to hockey
1: um well first I wanted to say RIP to my basketball team's hopes they lost today in the sweet 16 they lost by a billion to Gonzaga who has yet to lose a game this uh, season I knew they were going to lose because Gonzaga is amazing but sad but they had a good season so that's okay and then the other thing I wanted to talk about is uh the ice hockey uh college tournament is going on right now um And last night we had a five overtime game. Oh, I saw that. It was, uh, yeah. So that was pretty interesting. A lot of fun. You'll also start to see um, if your team has draft picks uh, that are on the different colleges, that when that college gets eliminated, your team might sign them or you'll just see signings from that team. Um, that's actually what happened a couple of seasons ago with Kale McCarr for Colorado. He was playing with his college team. They lost and then Colorado was like, Hey, do you want to come play? And then he played with them in the playoffs only and was really good. And so that's, you'll start seeing that. I think Toronto already signed a player from like maybe Notre Dame or something, but you'll start seeing more and more of that going on. It happens. It'll be a little weird this year because usually it's for like the last few games slash, like right in the first round of the playoffs, maybe, but because of the timing of it, it's gonna be like it solidly in the regular season. So interesting little thing. And with that, we will head on down to NHL and climb the corporate ladder. Um I'm gonna do standings this week, partly because I'm a little lazy and just wanted an easy storyline, but also I haven't done it in a while. So I thought it made sense to check in and see where we were at. Um So first is the Honda West division. Um, We've got, and I went by point percentage. I think that's important. Not so much for the West, but it it matters further down. Mm -hmm. We have Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis, Arizona, LA, San Jose, Anaheim. And I'm gonna kind of tear this out a little for y'all. Vegas and Colorado, they're like the class of that division. Minnesota is kind of in their own space, like good but not quite Vegas, Colorado dominant. And then you've got San, uh, St. Louis, Arizona, and L.A. All three of them are competing for that one fourth spot. Um, and at various nights, they all look different kinds of horrible or different kinds of great. Um, and then San Jose and Anaheim are not decidedly not playoff contenders. So. <laughs> That's kind of how the the teams shake out right now. Let's talk about a couple of them. I wanted to highlight Phil Kessel, who plays for the Arizona Coyotes. He had a hat trick last night. He really struggled production wise last year, which was kind of surprising. And I was like, is he falling off a cliff? Is Arizona just not a good fit for him? What's going on? And then this year he's been really back to his old self, scoring a lot of goals. Um, His wrist shot is absolutely amazing. And I believe that was how all of his goals in the hat trick were. So just a really good player. And it's nice to see that production back for Phil the thrill. and then the last thing I wanted to highlight from the Honda West division was we had some major matchups because we had two uh, games with Colorado and Vegas. Colorado won the first one, 5-1. to one. Vegas won the second one, 3-2 in overtime. The series on the year, they have played four games. It's almost exactly split. Um, Colorado won two in regulation. Vegas, one run in regulation and one in overtime. So Colorado has a slight edge, but it's really, really even. And so I would imagine most people's predictions are that whoever finishes first, Vegas or Colorado, will play one of those three. I mentioned St. Louis, Arizona, L.A., and then the other one that finishes second will play Minnesota, which is not as easy of a matchup, but I think both would be favored pretty handily. And then the big showdown of course would be if they both won Vegas, Colorado to decide who who comes out of that division. And it, you can't go wrong, both are really good, really stacked yeah. teams, so pretty cool. Um, so with that, we'll go to the Scotia North division, AKA the Canada division. Um, standings right now, we have Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Montreal, Calgary, Vancouver. Again, kind of tearing it out. Toronto used to be in its own vancouver's kind of pushed its way in and toronto's kind of pushed its way down so i would say those two maybe i think at full potential toronto is pro- is decidedly in a class of their own but we'll see um i'm missing one oh ottawa i was like there's, a, um, there's only six uh, I, I forgot ottawa even existed because they're that bad uh, i was gonna say
0: i was looking at the list i was like I feel like something's missing, but I was never going to guess it.
1: Uh, Edmonton and Montreal, uh, and I would say Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Calgary. And heck, let's just throw Vancouver in there because Ottawa is in its own class. But I think really you're looking at, for those last two playoff spots, you're looking at most likely Edmonton and Montreal, but Calgary if they surge and slash Edmonton or Montreal struggle could sneak in I don't really think Vancouver is sneaking in Vancouver is staying afloat um, almost solely because Thatcher Demko yeah decides to be amazing at times but they're not a good team and so but Ottawa is again league of its own
0: I'm kind um, of I guess- surprised
1: by Winnipeg Winnipeg has been that way and Winnipeg unlike vancouver it has a little something sustainable and that is connor Hellebug has consistently been elite 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 goaltending mm-hmm. so that that gives them something um, i think also paul maurice is a really good coach um and, and i watched just some of their game last night and paul stasny fits in really well with that team um kind of has plays well on the power play and stuff like that their defense is rough looking which is why i would imagine they would be in on like matthias Eckholm from nashville or something like that but there's pieces there it just kind of hasn't there's definitely gaping holes right um i did want to point out um Everyone has games played ranging from 34 to 37 in that division, except for Montreal, who's at 31. And that kind of brings me to my next point in the thing, which is Montreal is the first Canadian team to have a COVID shutdown. So we've had shutdowns in all the other divisions and Canada finally joined. I think Canada might have different restrictions as far and versus the U.S. because I think it's only like one or two players. That have it but because of, they're in Canada I think the rules are a little different so that's why Montreal is on a little bit of a pause right now um, but kind of going on the COVID theme big news in Canada is that the Canadian government some NHL team I don't know which one petitioned the Canadian government and they granted it a new testing scheme where a seven-day quarantine with a certain amount of negative tests um, the Canadian government will allow hockey players to go with that, provided they still do some of the like not going out all the time rules. Right. Um, but this is huge because seven days versus 14 days, seven days, you're most likely looking at three, maybe four games. 14 mm-hmm. days, you got to double that, which is huge when you consider it's a 56 game season. So it makes trades with the US feasible. And we actually already st- saw one, I almost said. Stahl, because Eric Stahl was traded from Buffalo to Montreal, which is a really cool pickup. Um, I don't know that Montreal necessarily needs another center, but I mean, can't hurt. And they have cap space. So I think they could be with this new rule in place. Montreal could be an interesting buyer because not a lot of people have cap space. So that's the problem is a lot of different teams would want different players, but they how to make it work. So and montreal not only does montreal have theoretical cap space because some teams have that but they also have actual money because uh the canadians are one of the richest teams whereas like the pens have some cap space but they have an internal cap this year and so they can't necessarily go out and spend to the cap um next the Mass Mutual East Division. Um, Again, standings check-in. This is one of the ones where it switches. Uh, If you look at by points, the order is going to be a little different, but I go by points percentage. I think it's more accurate. Washington, New York Islanders, Pittsburgh, Boston, Philadelphia, New York Rangers, New Jersey Devils, and Buffalo. Um, I feel bad even including Buffalo in the list. I should (laughs) have left them out like I left Ottawa. Their win percentage is a whopping 242. I have some uh, Buffalo Sabres are so bad stats. I, I'm proud of myself. One of these I came <laughs> up with on my own. Um, from Dmitry Filipovich, they've been shut out more games than they've won. He does a little tracker on Buffalo wins versus Buffalo sh- like being shut out. And they've been shut out seven times and they've won six games. Um, Yikes. So, here is the stat that I came up with that I'm super proud of. If Buffalo continues at their current pace, they would end the season with 27 points. If all other teams in the division magically stopped earning points, Buffalo would still finish last because the doubles have 28.
0: Oh my God, that's awful! <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> They're so horrid. Bad.
1: They're on a 39.5 point pace for a regular like an 82 game season and like even the terrible abs weren't that bad now I think I'm really gonna go out there and say I don't think they're gonna end the season with the 242 win percentage they didn't have a their goalie not like he's amazing but I think their back the guy they had was eh. yeah um they didn't have both their goalies because I think they have Carter Hutton and Linus Olmark Linus Olmark is like their top bully he's not amazing or anything but i think we already saw because the pens absolutely destroyed them and then um minus Allmark came back and then it was a really close game with boston and boston ended up eking out a three two win in regulation of course so still no points but i think you'll start to see buffalo be a little more competitive that said if they like blow it all up at the deadline trade taylor hall and do all of that who knows it's it's A thing that it's quite a quite quite a sight to behold and you don't even like because I haven't seen Buffalo a lot the pens haven't played them a lot watching them it's depressing (laughs) because going to my next one I like I'll preview for my next one all of the pens injuries and the sabers still can't keep up with them And like some of these people are actual NHL caliber players. But I think being (laughs) in Buffalo and that Ryan O'Reilly, who won the Conn Smythe for St. Louis, Mm -hmm. that was his first year out of Buffalo. And he basically, he said um, he lost the love, his love for the game in Buffalo. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Not not a a ringing endorsement. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's a thing. Um, next I wanted to do the Pens update. It's a good update cuz we played Buffalo. So and we didn't I was fully convinced I'm like okay, it's good cuz Buffalo was on an 18 game winless streak. This is an NHL stupidity where if you get overtime losses, it doesn't count as a loss. So they're not on an well, 18 right. game losing streak. They're on an 18 game winless streak, which is insane. <laughs> Insanely stupid, but I was fully convinced we were going to be the one to break that for him <laughs> And I was like, "Not us, please, not us." Yeah. And so, yeah, we won both games, which is good. I believe it was like a bad combined score of nine to three or something. So we also, or it was nine to one. It was nine to one because we shut them out one game. That was that's right. And then uh, beat the Isles last night. That was it was deceptively like they had a five one lead. And then the aisles kind of came back at the end, but we still still pulled out a win, which is really, we looked really good. And I will take anything at this point. <laughs> at the beginning of the season, our defense was just decimated, like all at the same time. Yeah. And then now we got the reverse where our entire, our forwards are just like completely broken. So we have lost our entire second line of Genie Malkin, Jason Zucker, Kisperi Kapanen. And then we lost two thirds of our third line Teddy Blucher and Chris Tanev. so we have our first line one third line winger our fourth line and then a bunch of call-ups that's (laughs) who we're rocking right now and it's been a time and I put in there what the hell is a Zohorna because I was at dinner on Thursday when we were playing (laughs) Buffalo and I get Penguins updates on my phone and so after I was done with dinner I looked down at my phone and it says Penguins goal are Zahorna and I'm like who the heck is that never even heard the name before and I actually know some of our prospects I'm not like an expert or anything but I know some of them like who even is that lord knows apparently he is someone who is 6'6 who we called up because everyone is hurt and he (laughs) got his first goal on his first shot his name is Radim Zahorna and that just kind of sums up where we're playing a bunch of randos right now, but we're, yeah. we're doing it. We're doing the thing. So also shout out Frederick Gaudreau, not a rando, because he had an amazing Stanley Cup finals with Nashville. When Nashville played Pittsburgh, actually. Um, but definitely more of like a journeyman, fringe NHLer. He's been doing some amazing things, but wasn't getting on the score sheet. But now he's getting on the score sheet, and he looks really good. And in the fourth-line role, considering we signed him – in like a few games into the season because we were needed players and we had a few injuries and we're like, well, we have, you're a free agent we will sign you considering that's the expectation. He's, he's really doing pretty well. And I I quite like him. So that's your pens update right now. Um, and then let's go finally to the discover central division. This is another one that flipped. And I think it might be kind of a surprising flip from between points and points percentage, uh, Carolina actually has the highest points percentage. Then Tampa Bay, then Florida, Chicago, Nashville, Dallas, Columbus, Detroit. I think I said the last spot in the playoffs is up for grabs. Um, I Carolina and Tampa are kind of the class of their own. Tampa's even like just so elite in the talent that they have. And they're not playing Nikita Kucherov which that's a a cap circumvention thing. He is legitimately hurt there. There's no way they like intentionally wanted him to be injured and to save money because he's their best player, but he's intent. He's not intentionally hurt. But that said, if he's ready to go with like three games left, he's magically going to need some extra time because the thing is, there's no cap hit in the playoffs. It only counts in the regular season. And Tampa is like within hundreds of dollars of the cap. So with that, with him on, Injured, like long-term injured reserve. So he's magically going to heal right when the playoffs start. Like you can just bet it. But then Carolina is right there, largely because Alex Nadalkovich, who is their third goalie, because Mirazik's been hurt, he's been really good. Um, and so that's cool. To see, Florida, of course, has been surprising, but I'd say they're a little bit below Carolina and Tampa. And then I think it would come down to Chicago, Nashville, and Dallas, but I think realistically it could be Chicago and Dallas who fight it out for that fourth spot, just because Nashville seems to have conceded the year and they're saying like everything, but three players is for sale. And so if they sell, there's no way that they're going to stay in the spot that they're in Chicago. The reason that I think it's up for grabs is because Kevin Lankinen. in is having an amazing rookie season, but if you look at their defensive numbers, their defensive numbers are just almost as bad as they've always been. It's just, they have a a goalie who's doing amazing and their offense has been kind of carrying the load a little bit, but I think if the numbers kind of regress to what what the underlying numbers say that they are and Dallas does the opposite because Dallas has better numbers than their record would indicate Mm -hmm. if they both regress to what, the numbers would indicate I think Dallas could really compete and probably take over Chicago um Columbus is an outside chance but they look lost right now I don't know what the heck's going on with them and then Detroit's Detroit they are not trying to win and somehow are still better than Buffalo um (laughs) but uh I, that kind of brings me to my last, next point. The Blue Jackets Jacket somehow dropped co- two consecutive games to Detroit, who is, like, actively trying to suck. Like, I don't get how that ha- how you do that. Um, they were outshot, especially, okay, fluky losses, whatever, but this is the next step. They were outshot a combined 63 to 39 to Detroit. Yikes. Like, you can't do that. Detroit's terrible. No. Like, their defense is, like, Philip Peronic and a bunch of old or not nhl players so like no you you have to do better than that so and it seems like people are really over torts because he started doing the like randomly sit patrick line for no good reason mm-hmm. thing the first time people gave it to him because line acknowledged that he yelled with the coach uh, assistant right. coach and everyone kind of was like yeah you can't do that but then there was a, a time recently where it was like a close game and he just didn't play and then he didn't play him in overtime and it's like your best offensive player. Let's just not play him. So I I think it'll, people are a little over Tortorella. We'll see how that lasts if they don't make the playoffs, what happens to Torts. So with that, I will turn it over to Morgan for the Stars update.
0: I did have one quick, like totally random thing I wanted to say about Columbus mm-hmm. that I've been holding on to for two weeks because I – forget about it while recording and then literally remember it the moment we sign off. Um, Because I heard it when the stars were playing Columbus and I don't know why it suddenly stood out to me but I have a new favorite name for a player because it's just fun to hear and fun to say as long as I'm saying it right. Um, Vladislav Gavrikov? Yep, Vladislav Gavrikov. That's such a fun name. I, I think it's just kind of because it sounds repetitive. Yeah. But I highly recommend trying to say it because it is a fun name to say it's also a fun name to hear because they said it so many times during the game that it stuck out to me apparently not enough to remember in the last two episodes but I finally got it there's they, they have some names too because then there's Elvis Merzlikens their goalie yes. their goaltending
1: tandem is probably the all-name tandem because it's Elvis Merzlikens and Eunice Corpusalo. and then if one of them gets hurt it's Matisse Kivlenix I remember looking this up one year that's so fun Teddy Bluger, it's the Americanized version of Theodor Blugers. He is from <laughs> Latvia. And I remember looking up, there are four Latvian players in the NHL who played games last year. And two of them played in net for Columbus. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> pretty crazy. So random Columbus things for you. Um, I'll keep my stars thing short or as short as I can um, because... Haven't been fun to watch. They're not that fun to talk about. Um, as always, I have two Rick Bonus quotes I need to rant about. Uh, I think, okay, one was from the t- Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, after Thursday's game, which I think was the game that went to a shootout, if I remember. No, that's the game we won this week. Yeah, that's the game we finally won against Tampa. And uh, Haskinen had a really awesome goal in that game. And uh, R- Rick Bonus said that he wanted, he told Meryl Haskinen that he wants to see um, the moves from his goal in that game in the next shootout. And I saw this tweet because it was, quote, tweeted into my feed by holly underscore hall and she just said yeah us too man because hey is never in the shootout so like we'd all kind of like to see those moves in the shootout you just never give them the time to do it my next quote that i'm annoyed with (laughs) well instead of calling this the stars update we should just call this the rick bonus quotes update um then this was saturday's saturday morning so before saturday's game Bonus said um, it's vital for the fourth line to be able to eat up some minutes and that, quote, we won't survive this schedule, no team will, if we don't play four lines. And as someone who is very well versed in the game times that players are getting, I don't know how he expects for the fourth line to eat up quality minutes when the players on those lines are consistently getting like, two or three minutes a period. Like it's not, it's, how do you expect them to eat any minutes if you're not going to play them?
1: Yeah. And that the the rolling four lines thing, it's a little overrated sometimes depending yeah. on the team. Like the Oilers should not be rolling four lines. They should be <laughs> rolling two lines and throwing the third and fourth line out there maybe sometimes. But if you, if you legitimately want to do it and it makes sense for your
0: team to do it, you have to create the lines for that yes. and then play the lines for that. Yes. It's kind of like when he says he wants off to play more and then it's like, but you have to actually let him play more. It's funny when a coach says they want someone to play more. It's like, um, you actually have control over that. Yeah. You're the one calling the lines. And then I thought it was funny that in today's game, Sunday's game, um, there was, I don't, maybe you can correct me on this, but there was a bench too many men Do coaches who decides who goes in the penalty box? Coaches decide that usually the head coach. So do you want to guess who is in the penalty box for that? For the stars? Who was it? Giryanov. That actually though,
1: it's a it, it can be a prime position. Does he kill penalties normally? that's a good question if he I doubt doesn't it tell penalties like the Capitals they're notorious for throwing Ovechkin in for penalties like that because then when the penalty is over sometimes he can get behind the defense and if the puck is cleared at the right time then you have a breakaway and you'd rather have like okay, yeah. OB on the breakaway or up than like random fourth liner
0: I just feel like with the way that the Stars played against Florida, there was no way we were going to get a breakaway anyway. So, like, my thought is, why don't you put, like, one of the players you're going to give three minutes to this period, just put him in the box. Yeah,
1: but it, it is, like, a, a real thing. So, I, I it could work. It, it's a strategy. I don't know if it's <laughs> a great strategy. If he wasn't going to kill penalties, which that might be another discussion of maybe he should, I don't know. But if he wasn't going to kill penalties, then he was going to sit on the bench the whole time anyways.
0: I want, like, in my mind, because we know how I feel about Rick Bonus. this was an unintentional strategy.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know that he intended that, <laughs> but um, I did want to bring up, so a couple, I have a you're done with your Stars. Yes, yes. I have a couple NHL things I wanted to talk about that I knew and I didn't write down. First of all, as, well, a little before we were recording this, it happened during the Stars game, which the Stars officially lost. Yes. Um, Florida defenseman Aaron Ekblad went down with, uh, I mean, you have to, the slow-mo is so disturbing, and yeah. you have to stretch it off the ice. It looks like some kind of broken leg. Yeah. That's about and all I can do.
0: was very much in pain.
1: Yeah, and, you know, a similar sort of thing happened to Florida in Ottawa, maybe two years ago, Vincent Trocek, and you could hear him, like, sh- scream. It was horrible, and Aaron Eckblad, he was a first overall pick, a lot of hype wasn't kind of living up to it. And then this year was having like a legitimate Norris kind of year, helping Florida. And so it's just really sad. And then Florida has lost Barkov, who's like their amazing center. Ekblad, likely, I mean, there's no way he's not out for probably the rest of the season that with that kind of injury, just the amount of time it takes. And then they lost Hornquist too. They lost so many of their good players like that. So it sucks for Florida, and that looks insanely painful. I hope they had, like, the good pain medicine, like, on standby or something for that right. guy. Right.
0: Man, he needed it. Right. I really quickly just realized that this is how bad the stars were doing. I did not realize that when we started recording that they were still playing the game. Like, I thought the game had ended already until you just said that, and I looked at Twitter, and I was like, Oh, so when we started, they were in the third period. The game hadn't ended. Well, nothing <laughs> happened
1: except uh, Owen Tippett got a, an empty net goal. So you didn't um, miss anything.
0: I will correct you. Something did happen. Gurionov dropped gloves. So oh. <laughs> missed that. <laughs> Go but back and watch that. Hockey yeah, fight. will have that. It's his second fight, which the first one, as we all know, was against Jordy Benn. And I, for, based on like reporter tweets, it might've been a good fight. I don't know yet, but the fact that I didn't even realize that I didn't watch the third period of this game, I feel like just sums up this week for the star.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I did want to, I mean, now I have to look up the, Oh, he fought Riley Stillman. Yeah. I don't know who that is. I saw Not that. And I was like, player. I don't Not okay. a great player. Um, <laughs> The other thing I wanted to talk about that I knew we needed to talk about Tim Peel. Yes. Oh my God. Intense stuff. So Tim Peel is, and I'm going to say is, cause is is accurate. An NHL referee. He's a veteran, but he has kind of a checkered past. And so there's this call, I believe early in the second. So in the first um, Nashville, and who is Nashville playing? Detroit. It's not the most important consequential game I've ever heard of, but uh, Nashville went on the power play and they thought it was a little unfair. So then in the second, and I learned actually, Sean Shapiro, former athletic stars writer, had some good explanation about. So there's a lot of mics on the ice, and one of them is um, the on the refs. And the reason for that, you're like, why the heck are the refs mic'd up? And then you think about it, they have to announce the penalty calls, right? Like that has to happen. And so of course there's a the mic. Well, so what you do when you um, when you call or when you go to break? A lot of sound guys uh, will say, like, we'll go to the different mics and activate them to make sure that they're working. Because mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to have a mic go all game and then, like, some big important call, and no, because right. there's no sound or anything. So they go, they do that. Well, occasionally it'll happen um, where they'll get it before the break and you hear this sometimes where you'll hear like some weird talking you're like that doesn't make any sense um but rarely do you get anything juicy and we got something juicy (laughs) so who was it Victor Arvidson was called for tripping and it was kind of a bit of a phantom trip and everyone's like what's going on so Victor somebody from I think it was actually Victor Arvidson goes over to talk to Tim Peel and Tim Peel The mic gets activated by the sound truck and there aren't actually commercials yet. And Tim Peel says, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get an effing penalty on Nashville early. Which is surprising and it isn't. It's surprising that we actually have like concrete evidence of it. Not surprising that it happens because everyone, how yeah. many times do you listen to a, a, a broadcast and they're like, well, the, this team has taken the last three or has taken the last three penalties. So look for this other team to get called. Yeah. Because you always know it's going to get makeup, which is not how the game should be called because it favors teams who commit more penalties because you're going to even it up whether right. or not they deserve it or not. And like there's this um, chart of like penalties drawn to penalties taken. And it's like everyone has a line of like this about the same penalties drawn and penalties taken. So, of course, that happens, and a lot, there's a lot of outrage. And does the NHL have anything to say about like this is wrong? We understand the frustration with um, makeup calls or things like that. And we've communicated to our refs that this isn't allowed. This is what we get national hockey league, senior executive vice president of hockey operations. That is the longest title I've ever heard. And <laughs> the worst name I've ever heard. Colin Campbell. His name is not Colin. It's Colin. Cool. Ha- announced, <laughs> I know. Right. Announced <laughs> today that referee Tim Peel following his comments during the game last night between the Detroit Red Wings and the national predators no longer will be working and NHL games now or in the future. Quote, nothing is more important than ensuring the integrity of our game, Campbell said. Tim Peel's conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence to that cornerstone principle that we demand of our officials and that our fans, players, coaches, and all those associated with our game expect and deserve. There is no justification for his comments, no matter the context or his intention, and the National Hockey League will take any and all steps necessary to protect the integrity of our game. The comments weren't jeopardizing the integrity of the game. Yeah. It's a penalty call. So also, few facts for you. Tim Peel was scheduled to ref his uh, last game exactly a month from when the NHL made this statement. So they aren't taking his pension. They aren't doing anything like that. He's literally just getting an early retirement. Yeah. It's like hardly seems like anything once you hear it like that. The other important thing to note colin campbell he has a history with the nhl because uh there was a referee who was suing the nhl for something and as um like in the depositions and all of that a bunch of emails got out including colin campbell like petitioning referees and stuff to treat his son better and like tell like instructing referees on players to get and players not to get and all of that kind of stuff so him lecturing us about the integrity of the game a little hard to take seriously that was he's calling him literally only has this job because it came out before twitter was really a thing if hockey twitter was what it was today and those emails came out he would be destroyed
0: yeah i was gonna say how is he have that job
1: so that's is the NHL being the NHL and that seems like a way to a great way to segue <laughs> into rants and raves perfect <laughs> that was a rant for Laura but <laughs> you want me to go first or you want to go yes first? you go first okay so this is a kind of real life thing that I'm bringing in but like online personal stuff I just I have to talk about dangerous pandemic coronavirus discussion because I think there's a lot of nuance that is important to talk about and I saw someone sort of trying to do that and then just completely missing the mark because the person said that there are people dying from loneliness and isolation and that is emphatically not true you cannot actually die from loneliness and isolation I think it's important so important to talk about increased isolation during COVID and yeah. how to look out for that and what to do about that because mental health is a very real thing and isolation does increase m- issues with mental health and mental illness and poor mental health has physical health impacts but loneliness is not a proximate cause of death it just isn't so I just think it's so important and like I also think it's really important to discuss when it's talk you talk about schools that a huge element of education is for young, like five, six, seven-year-olds is how to be social and like in a societal structure. And so that's like a missing thing and how it can impact child development. All of those things are important to discuss and it can all be discussed without saying people die of loneliness. And so I'm just like, be careful with your words because if you want to have a nuanced discussion, it has to start with you you have to bring the nuance you can't start with that and then expect to have any kind of interesting yeah. nuance discussion because you're just not
0: yeah so that's my rant um my rant is totally random and not at all as serious um and I don't really know how many people know about it but like so Kristen Stewart is I guess currently filming a um uh not documentary um a a movie she's playing princess diana and at first like the casting i was kind of like oh that's weird but she like she passes pretty well for someone playing princess diana well this week another promotional picture came out and my is about princess diana's engagement ring well right now it's uh Kate's engagement ring so if you don't know if you know one but not the other it's the same ring and it's pretty iconic because it's a giant ass ring that's a sapphire surrounded by diamonds really easy to to find pictures of really easy to find knockoffs of unless you're this production because that ring looks so cheap I was going to say I saw a better reproduction at, like, Kohl's. Right? There were a lot of people, like, and I'll retweet a picture of it on our um, podcast Twitter. A lot of people in the comments were like, I've found better knockoffs on Etsy. Like, I've had better $15 rings. Because, first of all, the shape looks wrong. Mm-hmm. And then the sapphire almost looks too big, which is... It's big in real life anyway. It looks like plastic children's
1: costume jewelry. Or I was going to say, it also gives me a little bit of ring pop vibes. Yes.
0: Oh my God. I was going to say that too. And I was like, maybe not, but it it does. It's so bad. It's awful. Especially when you can like literally just type in that in Google and find a million replicas that look better and are cheaper. Cause I'm sure they paid a lot of money for that crappy pop looking awfulness yeah and that's the thing between that and
1: like the special effects and stuff you can do you can make it look good
0: and especially it's so iconic like the crown has a lot of issues as far as like tiaras and stuff but if you're not a royal watcher you wouldn't really notice how different they are but I feel like even just the passerby or that's seen enough photos of Diana or even Kate know what that ring looks like and like on the crown, they kind of avoided ever really showing it. So you couldn't critique their replica. But this one is like, even it's not like a full on view of it, but. Ooh, and the thing too, is even if you knew nothing, if you lived under a rock and just came out to watch this, it looks cheap. Yeah. It, like Regardless even if it, of how good or bad of a replica it is, it looks so, so cheap. True. Even if it wasn't an iconic ring, it still looks cheap. Like it's just... The fact that it's iconic, I think, makes it worse that it looks cheap. Mm-hmm. But oh, I haven't stopped thinking about it since I first saw the picture just because I cannot believe that someone was like, Yeah, that'll pass.
1: Well, that actually transitions <laughs> quite well into our rave because my rave is about the Swedish royal family. Oh, perfect. And Princess Sophia of Sweden, wife of Prince Carl Phillips. Had her third child. I think everyone was thinking it was going to be a girl because yeah. she's had two boys, um, but she had a third boy. And I have to say, being fair, I think this is my least favorite name of the bunch.
0: Okay, thank you. Me too. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> her first is Alexander Eric Hubertus Bertil. Um, you did good with that. I cannot I, can, not ex- have been able I <laughs> can explain. Alexander is just a name they like. Always first yeah. names are usually just names they like. Eric is Sophia's father's name. Hubertus is uh, the fourth name of Carl, King Carl Gustaf, so his last middle name. And then Bertil is uh, Carl Philip's uncle, who um, was really also godfather and they live at Vila Söbacken right now, which was Bertil's and Bertil and Lillian left it to Carl Philip in their will. So very close with them. Um, then they had gabriel carl and then you say it walter because it's german um nice gabriel obviously they just liked carl again carl gustav the king also his dad like uh carl Philip is named carl so that makes sense too and then um walter or walter is uh Karl uh carl Philip's maternal grandfather's name so okay. it's the queen's dad so and then we get to this one and like oh baby so exciting and then today we find out the name and it's julian but they pronounce it julian in swedish because Js do not make the typical sound herbert folka and I don't know exactly where Herbert came from. I saw some speculation about, like, some relative of Sophia's or something. Who the heck knows? Folke um, is the worst of Carl Gustav's names, because his full name is Carl Gustav Folke Hubertus. So, and I get there's not as many traditional... No one likes to talk about this. There aren't a ton of, like... Swedish guy names with a royal lineage. Like there's a very limited selection. And yeah. part of it is for a long time a bunch of kings and princes and stuff had Adolf in their name, which obviously is not in the right. <laughs> the running anymore. And so kind of run into an issue with that. Um but I no, sorry, no. I, I I came up with the one that I think is better, which is Oliver, because I just that was a popular name. Swedish Swedish boy's name. It's a Swedish name.
0: It's not Swedish in descent, okay. but like in Sweden, it's popular. And I then- do like that they pick the first names just names they like, because I feel yeah. like in British royals, it feels like it's usually not just names they like; it's names that are in the family or whatever. And it is nice, except yeah, yeah it is nice to get some different
1: and then uh oliver oscar yes or no it was oliver gustav oscar that was the name did it so gustav picking the better of the remaining names from the king and then oscar is because um that's sophia's dad's middle name I like that. And it also has connections to the royal family too. Yeah. So, but I mean, okay, you don't even have to love my name, but compared to Julian Herbert Volka, Oliver Gustav
0: Oscar, I mean, one's clear. I'm sorry. (laughs) I could like Julian. I think it's the Herbert part that really just feels like old man vibes. I think both middle names are pretty awful yeah he got very like third child we've run out of ideas names but there were more there were I know more. that's the thing there were more you can tell they had all the girls names thinking it has to right? be girl,
1: and then it's like yeah okay it's a boy what do we do and then uh he got the Duke of Holland or I pronounced that completely wrong but it's... Um, how I would have said it. <laughs> it's the one that Bertil was duke of. So, oh, that was the thing. It was Bertil... Oscar was Bertil's middle name. So it would have connected better
0: anyway. Yeah. So... They should have asked us our opinions.
1: Yeah. Because I loved Like, I love Gabriel's name and yeah. Alexander's name. And I've actually... So I can name... Th- nerdy. I can name through all of the Swedish royals. And I like most of their names. Yeah. So... Estelle Sylvia Ava Mary Oscar Carl Olaf or Olaf. Um and then we've got the all of Carl Car- Those Philip's are Victoria's
0: work. kids. Yeah,
1: those two were Victoria's. Then we have the three of Carl Phillips, and then Madeline's are Leonor or Leonore, Lillian Maria, Nicholas Paul Gustav, and Adrian Josephine Alice. I like all those names. So, and I mean, you might quibble with some of them, but the number of them are like, just, ooh. Like, yeah. and then you get to Julian Herbert Volka. And you're like, ah. Not Sorry. the best. I hate being this judgmental, but I also wanted to rave because there's a picture and where he compares conversely, if you look at, so they all release these pictures, um, like a first infant picture really early on and if you compare Julian's to all of his other cousins and brothers his eyes are open and I think he's the only one where his eyes are open and it was really cool to see it's really adorable so very excited to have another little member he's the first member of the Swedish royal family of this generation to be born without uh, HRH and to not be like a member of the royal house he's um that's after the king made a decree that only Victoria's line is going to do that so um none of Carl Philip like Carl Philip's kids and Madeline's kids lost HRH but they were born with it mm-hmm. so that I is
0: thing. the other interesting thing is that because this is I think as far as like me knowing about Swedish royals this is the first uh Swedish royal baby that I've like seen mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as like like leaving the hospital and stuff the Swedish is, they're so casual about it like they that, just look like normal parents leaving the hospital with their baby.
1: Little, that was a little different because yeah. normally we don't get any kind of like the thing we get is a picture of the baby in the carrier with yeah. the parents that's like the traditional thing but even and in that and it is super casual yeah they're usually wearing like tennis shoes and just like athletic wear and stuff like that but this one it seems like they had an agreement with one photographer to like photograph Mm -hmm. because it's just one photographer which makes sense because then they can keep some distance and just hey we're hopping in the car take some photos then that's it and then and he was all covered up so it it was still very much like the traditional
0: photo but also like compared to like British royals usually like the parents are usually more like put together outfits, I guess, mm-hmm. when you first see them after having the baby. So seeing the Swedish royals look so casual is like, oh, this is kind of nice.
1: Yeah. And it, it, I think it was probably nice for Sophia to not have to like, yeah, get all told up. So. It is cool. We're excited. I'm excited to see the first pictures. They haven't put on in- anything on in- their Instagram yet, so I'm interested to see what their first thing. I would anticipate like something with the brothers.
0: Yeah, that'd be. I cute. think that'd be cute.
1: and and uh, this is also the first birth where their Instagram was live. There are pictures from Gabriel's birth, but it was when their their Instagram was private right so we never saw them in real time so I'm kind of excited to see what they do for that
0: uh, my rave is baseball related which I could have put this in the baseball news but I'm, I saved it for my rave um, as you know I do not like Trevor Bauer I think a lot of us don't and if you've kept up with his antics in spring training at one point he decided he was going to try pitching with one eye closed and I think he did it two different times. And the second time he tried it, he hit a batter, which we all saw coming. Um, pitching with one eye open and hitting with one eye open is different. Um, and the Dodgers were basically like, yeah, well, basically they try to use the, yeah, he just tries to do new things and, and we'll sport and blah, blah, whatever. Then the week, I don't know maybe it was this last weekend, um they played the Mariners, and he did really good against them until the fifth inning when the uh, he faced four four batters and three of them hit home runs off of him, and basically his postgame comments were like, Well, I I did really good in my first three starts, our first three innings. I got what I wanted out of those innings. So by like the fourth and fifth, I didn't really try. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said is by the fourth, fifth inning, he wasn't really thinking about what he was gonna throw. He was kind of just throwing to throw, is what he said. Well, the Mariner's manager had a great response to that. It was very sarcastic. It was it was like a petty sarcasm, which we know I appreciate. Um so the Mariners manager Scott's service that... I'm not saying it right Is it's it S-E-R service, service? It's a, it's, okay it's, yeah because every time I look at it, I'm like hmm, I thought, no, that's what, how it was spelled so maybe I've been saying it wrong my whole life anyway or not my whole life but whatever so his comments were that the Mariners weren't really trying until the fifth inning they didn't really care about the first four innings and so by the fifth inning they decided to try um and then one of the reporters who I also love, I don't know who it was. Um, she, let me, someone in the comments I know tagged her. One of the beat writers for the Mariners asked him, um, Were your guys hitting with both eyes open? <laughs> and the manager just goes, No, we were hitting with one eye shut. We were trying to breathe through our eyelids, which is a Bull Durham quote, which I freaking just love that he added that in there. Um so we weren't really trying we we're just trying to hit with our eyes closed breathing through our eyelids and yeah so maybe he wasn't trying but we we definitely started trying in the 5th inning which I just appreciated because if there's one thing that brings baseball twitter together it's hating Trevor Bauer for the most part I wouldn't say all t- baseball twitter but for most of baseball twitter and then the fact that the Mariners manager just came out and said this was just gold because he never mentioned Bauer really except for like, I, I don't even, I don't think he said them by name. I think he said, I think to him, as him or the pitcher or something. Um, but it was just perfect petty for me. The Mariners are in the Rangers division, so I shouldn't like them, but they're always a team I kind of find myself rooting for anyway, even though they're very mediocre. Um, so this just made me really love them even more. And I'm kind of hoping we hear more um, like managers and players this year, kind of call Bauer out because it's entertainment for me. I did want to point out that, uh,
1: and I told Morgan this when we texted about it. It is, I know it's Scott's service because um, Ed's oh, right. Ed Service is the head coach of uh, the Creighton baseball team, and they are like
0: Ed is Scott's uncle, I believe. Um, so that's pretty cool I kept for some reason I kept thinking it was Scott Severus but I yeah. think that's someone else <laughs> uh yeah so service
1: uh there's a funny shirt I saw someone wearing like at Creighton that said like committed to service or something like that as a play on like that's a good pun. Creighton is a, a Jesuit school that's like a thing so So with that, anything
0: else you want to add or call it a day? Um, I think that's it. But hopefully some fun baseball news next week. At least maybe entertainment baseball news. Yeah, I'm excited to have stuff to talk about with yeah.
1: baseball. So we'll see you all later and have a good week, everyone.